another edition of Horrifying My Friends, an extra spooktacular edition, if you will, a combining of evils, the, blo- the brothers of blood, the siblings of sin, come together to provide their favorite films of 2021. But that's not it. Afterwards... Horror host Trav, that's right, the creature himself, will list his five favorite literary horror books, if you want to call it that, on this earth. Uh, His five favorite reads of the year, horror reads of the year. So, a little bit different, we combined forces with Fatal Follower Presents. Um, Of course, he's my loving, my loving brother. Uh, So, we got together. The first section that you're going to hear was recorded, and it's us talking about our enlisting our five favorite horror movies of 2021. Uh, our favorite, not the best. Now, I didn't see everything this year, um, but yeah, we, we, we gave it a go, and we listed our five favorite horror films of 2021. So that'll be the first section that you hear, um, which will be the same on both shows this week, um, that that singular section of us listing our five and giving a few honorable mentions. Then you will hear the next section, like I said, where I will list some uh, good horror reads for all you readers out there. I know uh, um, my friend Amy Atkins, if you're listening, horror ghoul Amy Atkins. Uh, You'll want to pick up a few of these titles because a lot of them, we got some really, really good stuff this year. That I think uh, horror fans and um, non-horror fans even will absolutely love. Um, But yeah, two sections this week, both equally horrific. Tell us your favorites of 2021 when we drop this mega episode. This Twins of Evil episode. This Brothers Grimm episode. Enjoy, kiddies. It's Trav. Number five, what you got? All right, so maybe controversial. I don't know. This movie was uh, mixed upon release, and it continues to be a uh, a popular uh, argue point, uh, argumentative discussion on Twitter, on horror Twitter over there. Oh, yeah, in that trash heap, uh, as we like to call it. <laughs> uh, but no, yeah, was this five. a hard list for you to put together? <laughs> this was pretty hard, yeah, because um, the. And just right off the bat, you know, I haven't seen some movies like some of the like I noticed that I haven't seen a lot of like the art house kind of stuff. Yeah, uh, I don't know. Like um, and it really bugs me, like not to get on a tangent, but like the 
you know, you all, we all know the horror fan who has seen everything, you know, they've seen everything. Oh, fantastic. You know, like I've seen everything that's come out this entire year. It's like, no, you haven't. Like there's some <laughs> movies that have, you know what I mean? So that's like, right. just right off the bat, like I haven't seen Lamb or St. Maude. Those are two oh. movies that I've wanted to check out. I just haven't got to it, but yeah. You're not missing anything. <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> but yeah, I'll, I'll go ahead and throw that that out there. My <laughs> my quick review. <laughs> my number five is tonight he dies. Halloween Ooh. kills. Whoa! So the saga of Michael Myers and Laurie Strode continues in the next thrilling chapter of the Halloween series, directed by David Gordon Green. You know, um, killer killer soundtrack by John Carpenter, uh, starring Jamie Lee Curtis, Judy Greer. We all know this, right? So um, Halloween Kills, I was on the, um, and we had like a a bunch of discussions like me, you and Rob when this movie came out, but uh, I was on the positive side of this movie. I actually, I actually really like this as a sequel. Um, I think it would probably rate like right there in the middle in that Halloween series for me. Um, But yeah, I, you know, I, I didn't get, well, I shouldn't say that. I got a lot of like the, uh, you know, the hate about it and stuff, but I actually thought it done, it did a lot of things well and kind of added that otherworldly kind of um, the boogeyman being more than Michael kind of sense to it. Like, I love that spoiler alert. You know, if you haven't seen this, then, you know, whatever, one, two, three. I love the ending scene when you see the young Michael and then it's like uh, she walks up the stairs, Judy Greer's character, and it's, the old Michael and it's like they, they kind of sprinkled a few times in, in the end of the movie, like kind of how there's something supernatural going on there. It's like the boogeyman keeps on returning and he can't be stopped. And I really, really thought that they did a good job. Now there are some weak scenes and stuff, of course, like when they kill Danny DeVito and Batman returns, <laughs> but I, I, I legit enjoyed this movie and this movie got a lot of hate, but what do you think about that? Number five, starting it off strong there. You started off strong. Yeah. I mean, it's not on my list at all. It's actually not even in my honorable mentions. It's in my most disappointing list. Spoiler alert. Ooh. Um, yeah. I was, I was disappointed. I mean, I, I felt bad because David, uh, David James and uh, Steve and Gabe and I, we went to the theater to see it. And I was so hyped because I was like, damn, this trailer is like fierce. And like Mm -hmm. I've avoided trailers for it like crazy. And then I had really good moments, but I just felt like something was missing at the end. And and I'll explain this a little bit better with my number four pick as to why that movie worked better for me than this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I just didn't, uh, yeah, I mean, I did, after a second view, I did enjoy it more, but it's still, uh, I don't know. It's still like a, eh, it's, it's just a little like kind of mad for me still. I don't know. I, I need to re I need to rewatch the director's or I need to watch the director's cut. Um, Douglas Connor sent me the ending the, the new ending i guess mm-hmm. and i was just like okay like i mean it's, it's still sucks like what did, do you mean to say uh, <laughs> did love hurts play over it no it just didn't seem like it was enough to justify you know like well you included that and that's not really different you know what i mean like it wasn't different enough to me but uh i think people will lose their heads when they watch it. they're like it's so cool you know but it, it just didn't 
it didn't mean anything really um, to me at least, but I see where fans like it. And there's a lot of it that I do like, and I think I'll be able to have a better idea when Halloween ends comes out, like how does it fit? Because it is a middle piece and that's the problem for me is it's a middle piece that just doesn't connect yet. Uh, We should say also that this, this is just like our favorite movies of 2021. This isn't like us saying these are the best movies. You oh, know, yeah. you know what I mean? So right. just favorability, rewatchability, stuff like that is what factors in on mine. But yeah, oh, yeah. My number five, Halloween Kills. Now, did you did, before I go to mine? Did you get to watch that a second time? Oh yeah, I've watched it three times. Oh or shit, four <laughs> times. Yeah, yeah, we well, watched it. We had a uh, like I watched it again with Rose uh, the second night, and then Rob and I were in a wedding. And like uh, this was a couple weeks later, uh, Mike Bertram's wedding, and we watched it again. Like we were all sitting around drinking beers, watching it again, talking about how amazing it was. <laughs> yeah, but that well, that opening man is like, oh my god, that shit's good. The opening's good. The score is amazing. Yeah, and if I could take out one thing of the movie and just have that as the movie, it would be with Lindsay. I think Lindsay's whole moments in the movie are so good how did her chase scene oh sorry no i mean her chase scene and like all that was so solid and uh that's what i was kind of like oh okay you know yeah how did david and them uh uh, feel about it oh they loved it yeah they absolutely loved it and i mean it's still like it's a lot better than the rob zombie movies for me you know what i mean (laughs) i don't know if it's better than like for me controversially i don't know if it's better than halloween resurrection oh my god (laughs) but that's where i'm at on that uh on that uh so before we get into a shouting match i'm gonna go with my number five (laughs) all right uh my number five was a movie that i got from RLJE Films to review for the podcast. And I always worry about when I get these because I'm like, if it's a shit movie, I'm going to have to say it's a shit movie. And there's some movies out there that are surprising. And this was one of them. And it was Seance. Um, Mm -hmm. It's from May of 2021. Or yeah, May 2021 of 2021. Um, It's about uh, Camille Meadows. She's a new girl at the prestigious Edelvine Academy for Girls. Soon after her arrival, six friends invite her to join them in a late-night ritual, calling forth the spirit of a dead former student who reportedly haunts the halls. But before morning, one of the girls is dead, leaving the others wondering what they have awakened. Uh, It is now on Shudder if you want to stream that. I really... uh, Well, did you get to check this one out first? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I dug it. Okay. So Simon Barrett directed it. He worked, of course, uh, with Wingard in the past, and they've worked on, like, Your Next. And that's what I was surprised by, is this movie has a really fun setting. I I think we talked about this before, but I do enjoy movies that are set, like, at academies, like, kind of of like uh, like Cry Wolf, if you've seen Cry Wolf. Oh, yeah. Um, Or even, like, 80 slashers, like Final Exam, um, like, those kinds of things where they're set around a school um or even like the dormant drip blood like that's a really fun one uh but this movie has a lots lots of little pieces to it it's like a really cool mystery like who done it um it's a really cool masked slasher and it's a really cool um sort of like kind of got that meta 
kind of thing, like from the 90s, like kind of thing in it. But what ultimately sold me on this movie was the climax. And what I think a lot of horror movies where they miss me is the ending. Like some of them just, they either end too abruptly or they don't have an ending or, you know, like the, the ending just falls apart sometimes in a lot of these horror movies. But this one, I think, surprised me. There was some gore in it that I was not surprising. Um, I didn't I, I didn't guess who the killer or killers were in this movie. And uh, I liked the story. And I think it had like a solid little setting with a small cast. And uh, it was cool to see, I, I can't think of the actress's name from The Devil's Rejects. She plays, she filled in for Karen Black, but she is the headmistress of the of the Academy. But it was cool to see, you know, her in this movie in a different role. And just uh, overall, I thought it was a cool vibe. I like the, I like the Academy vibe. Uh, I dug it. Um, but yeah, I, I rated this one pretty high and um, uh, overall, uh, between this movie and another slasher movie, uh, which I'll mention in my honorable mentions, I kind of had a tough time figuring out which one I like better. But ultimately, I think this one just had a cool story. But that was my number five. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, I dug that one, man. That's a good number five. All right. So my number four. Um, this one was one that is, uh, like I said, a weird two years. So this was filmed in like 17 or 18 uh, you know, production, all that stuff it was supposed to come out in 2020. Um, it ended up becoming streamable in early 21. And it's unreal that this is a 2021, you know, officially movie. And that's The Empty Man. Um, and it's unreal because it feels like this came out like three years ago. But yeah. it just became streaming, you know, in February or whatever. On I think it was like on HBO Max or something. Yeah, But yeah, The Empty Man... Um, Directed by David Pryor and uh, the synopsis on a trail of a missing girl, an ex-cop comes across a secretive group attempting to summon a terrifying supernatural entity. Um, so uh, directed by David Pryor, who is also directing the new Guillermo del Toro show for Netflix called uh, Cabinet of Curiosities, um, based on Cullen Bunn's comic, The Empty Man, uh, published by Boom Studios, which I recommend. It's a three volume uh, story. Um, there are some differences and stuff, but um, I felt like this movie did a, a really good job of uh, adapting it. Uh, starring James Badgedale and Marin Ireland. Um, yeah, this one has, this one was actually one of those where I was uh, going in expecting to be disappointed. And uh, it actually, it actually um, was a lot, a lot better than I thought it would be. Like it has everything that I kind of look for in a movie, like kind of a procedural, like detective kind of trying to figure out what's going on. And then there's this, uh, these really creepy scenes with this cult, like this cult of the empty man. And he's trying to piece it all together and stuff, very creepy visuals. And this urban legend of like you blowing across the bottle and like um, going on a bridge and blowing across the bottle, the top of the bottle and then the empty man like blows back like <laughs> but it has like some really creepy scenes in it and one of them that kind of one one of these movies that kind of took me by surprise but yeah my uh that's probably the dark horse on my list is number 4 the empty man that's a cool pick i remember seeing the poster for that a long time ago and i forgot that it was an adaption of a graphic novel and I'd already had the graphic novel and I just didn't piece two and two together because from 
the marketing, it seemed like it was geared towards people that wanted to another Bye Bye Man movie. You know yeah. what I mean? Like yeah. it had that those elements that seemed very familiar. And I was like, oh, okay. You know, I mean, I'm I'm a I'm into those kinds of movies too. Like if they're in the background and I don't have to pay attention because they're they're just those movies that I'm like, oh, okay, it's it's not complicated, it's silly, whatever. But this movie ultimately did. Um, because it's set in so many uh, segments, like that first long 20, 30 minute like entry yeah, is so separate from the rest of the movie and the mid movie and then the ending, like everything is so weird the way that it plays out. But mm -hmm. ultimately when you find out the ending, it's really cool to rewatch it again. Mm -hmm. And I, I liked it. Yeah, I think it was cool. It's, it didn't seem as long as I thought it was going to seem either. I was like, oh my God, this is like two hours, two and a half hours, whatever. But it ultimately left me still wanting more. And that's, that's a sign of an interesting concept. But yeah, I dug it. I think it's a cool pick. So yeah, my number four, The Empty Man. So my number four is the middle of a movie that does it better in my opinion. And maybe it's because I've already seen the ending, but it's fear street, 1978. All right. And the reason why I think that works better than Halloween kills is because it is self-contained. It's its own time mm -hmm. period, even though there are elements from the other times part of the plot, but ultimately it has a beginning that uh, sets it up. Uh, I think the, character arcs work in this movie. Uh, I don't feel like I'm ending this movie with questions and it's touching. It's sad. I was like crying at one one point, even though you kind of ex expected a death of a character, but really it was a bait and switch. I, th I think it did a really good job, but for anybody that's listening that hasn't seen this, the quick synopsis is it centers on a group of teenagers in Camp Nightwing who must come together to survive a possessed counselor's murder spree. Uh, I think it's available on Netflix, of course. It's an exclusive. And this this series was fun because I think it was cool that it came out every other week. Like, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, it was that type of serial storytelling that I miss about horror. And even though I think the first one's okay and the third one's good, I just really enjoyed this one. I liked the setting. I liked the acting, the actors. And it was just a really solid uh, slasher movie. And there's a lot of slasher movies that debuted this year. Uh, it's probably been one of the, the, the 2021 has been probably one of the years that we've got, we've gotten the full on slasher resurgence. Uh, but uh, were you a fan of, of, 1978. Oh, oh yeah. That was one of my, uh, that would be one of my honorable mentions that almost made my list. Um, and I'm like you, I like that middle portion, the 78 version, the best. Yeah. I'm, I'm surprised that I would like a middle movie uh, more than, you know, the trilogy. And it, it's, it's really hard to separate it because it's so tangentially uh, incorporates so many elements from every, other movie into it but it still somehow works and if i was going to revisit i haven't revisited them really other than that one uh but that's the one that i would revisit because it's just so enjoyable like i feel like i've watched a complete movie even though you know there's still that cliffhanger and stuff at the end but uh yeah so that's my that's my number four a solid solid number four so my number three is 
2021 again another movie that got messed up by the pandemic um and that's 2021's antlers um synopsis in an isolated oregon town a middle school teacher and her sheriff brother become embroiled with a an enigmatic student whose dark secrets lead to terrifying encounters with an ancestral creature uh, directed by Scott Cooper, who did uh, black mass with Johnny Depp out of the furnace, uh, crazy heart um, uh, based on a story from uh, Nick and Toscosa and Scosa, um, you know, the channel zero guy. He's a, he's like a killer writer, man. Like if yeah. um, his collections are like really hard to get, but he's a killer writer. Uh, starring Carrie Russell, Jesse Plemons, and Jeremy Thomas. So we went to see this um, like uh, pretty pretty recently. Didn't this come out like a couple months ago in theaters? Yeah, end of October. Yeah, it was yeah, a Halloween end of October. Movie. So I didn't know that this movie was going to be like as um, uh, like as sad and as uh, filled with grief as it was. So that was a uh, kind of a bonus, you know, uh, sitting through it and like. Uh, really feeling for these characters the child actor jeffrey thomas is like absolutely amazing in this movie and you feel so bad for him um this is one of those movies i think that would work for um like a fan of dramas and a fan of horror movies and the creature effects are fucking killer of the wendigo like um all the stuff with uh, them you know um uh, talking to the native american guy and like you know, uh, the some of the transformations of the Wendigo was just like it, it really delivered, man. And I, I loved how it like uh, they portrayed it, um, like really feeding on that negativity and grief, and like you know, uh, a lot of the, a lot of this uh, the uh, the story that they built up for this movie. But um, uh, yeah, I really really dug this. My number three, Antlers. I won't talk about it because it is on my list. Uh... So I have a feeling we're going to have some similar end list here. Uh, <laughs> so I'll just say my number three. Okay. And then maybe this is on yours, which I'm sure it is. Actually, I know it is. Uh, my number three is The Night House. All right. Uh, reeling from the unexpected death of her husband, Beth, played exceptionally well by Rebecca Hall, Rebecca Hall, excuse me is left alone in the lakeside home he built for her. She tries as best as she can to keep herself together, but then the dreams come, disturbing visions of a presence in the house call to her, beckoning with a ghostly allure. But the harsh light of day washes away any proof of a haunting. Against the advice of her friends, she begins digging into his belongings, yearning for answers. When you start digging, you start finding those answers, and you may mm, not be mm. alive. <laughs> oh, her. Uh, you hear Rose from the other room. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, this was a very fun surprise. I did not expect to enjoy this movie as much as I did. I had a really hard time with my top three because I, well, actually my top two, I know what my number one is, but uh, I, I just immediately left the theater. Like that's going to be on my top 21 list. Like it's so cool. So many nods to like Barker and uh, Lovecraft. And it's just a cool original concept. And out of all of 2021, I think the best performance is from Rebecca Hall in a horror movie. It is in the night house. Certainly. Uh, she is a character that you care for. You love her dialogue 
And uh, it's just an awesome kick-ass story. And I picked it up uh, on physical because uh, I'm all about the physical, babe. But uh, yeah, I liked it. I dug it. I'm all about the Benjamins. Uh-uh, uh-uh. <laughs> and, and with the silver backdrop behind yeah. it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you're in one of those like shiny suits like P. Diddy. In 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 a uh, in a cheese grater kind of in the background. <laughs> so it's it's my number two, right? So you're going to your number two, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, our lists are uh, it's coming down to two movies here. So my number two is Malignant, uh, which I'm I know that's going to be on your list. No, it's um, not my list. 2021, <laughs> of course, directed by James Wan, uh, starring Annabelle Wallace or Wayless, however you say it. Uh, synopsis Madison is paralyzed by shocking visions of grisly murders and her torment worsens as she discovers that these waking dreams are in fact terrifying realities. Um, this one was, uh, was one that I knew was going to be on my list because of how fun it was. And, um, a lot of 20, 2020, 2021 was like so fucking grim and like, just like, uh, you know, my number one movie, which is, uh, complete despair, you know, it's like uh, Malignant was one that kind of didn't give a fuck and it was very punk rock and it was just fun. And you don't like uh, we kind of miss that with horror movies like, you know, nowadays, I, you know, I'm saying nowadays, like I'm like uh, one of the old man on the on my porch now. <laughs> but like we Get really off do, my like James Wan went back and did a movie like in blended like basket case and like a giallo. And, and like totally went against what he had been doing uh, with the Conjuring movies and Insidious and stuff. And it fucking absolutely worked and it's fun and it's hilarious. And like um, it kind of reminds me of one of those like uh, uh, what's the what was the film company in the 90s that put out like the House on Haunted Hill and um, oh, like a dark castle. Kind yeah, of thing. like a dark castle kind of movie, because as soon as it starts, you know, it's like it's got like a very like a hammy kind of. Uh, kind of presence about it yeah and it's like oh this is good like you know you're in a gothic like asylum and stuff and yeah it kind of remind me of like something like ghost ship or something like that but yeah just just bring the fun back to horror and i i really loved how uh, ballsy james wan was with this because this one got a lot of hate too of people going in expecting it to be a straightforward like ghosty james wan picture that was like 70s inspired and stuff and it- gave you that basket case fialo kind of thing but yeah yeah, my number two malignant um awesome movie man all right so i'm gonna go to my number two which you talked about earlier but it's antlers um i had a hard time with this one because i loved the night house so much but ultimately what won me over with this movie is the creature aspect of it and um you know, spoiler alert uh, for anybody listening, um, but it is about a Wendigo. And I think it's kind of clear in the trailer that it's a Wendigo, but, you know, yeah. uh, I like, and you already gave the synopsis, so I won't do that. But what I really liked about this movie is you touched on all of the things that I like, you know, about how grief is shown uh, cinematically in this movie, how it's pervasive in this town. There's so many towns around the country like that, that are, you drive through and you just kind of wonder, you know, what are the people like there? Like, 
some of these desolate ghost towns where these corporations pull out of like it just it speaks to such a reality that what we've lived in and what we've been living in with so many uh of the of the small towns around america and so i think that this team of writers director and of course guillermo del toro producing it was just a really good recipe for creating that atmosphere way past uh even getting to the horror aspects and what works is there's there's been really cool wendigos in movies uh you know fassenden did it uh stephen king of course with pet cemetery but i think this one has really given us what we've been wanting for like you know those those uh wendigo lore uh, fans out there and i think that's why i really enjoy this so much it's just the way it's handled is so meticulous and so thoughtful and so heartbreaking. And it is very sad, but there is also a really hopeful uh, aspect to the movie, which you kind of have to dig for, <laughs> but it's there. And that's what I like about it is, and I'm not the biggest fan of like drama horror. And I, I always complain to you about A24 because I always mm -hmm. think that they put the drama forefront before the horror, but I think this did a really good job. And I'm surprised uh, that this wasn't an A24 movie because I think it, you know, it's one that um, reminds me of one of theirs called Monster a little bit, but um, I like this one a lot and uh, I'm definitely uh, looking forward to picking it up. It, it was recently released on January 4th, but um, yeah, ultimately um, I, I enjoy it. I dedicated a whole review episode to it. And uh, yeah, it's definitely one of my, my favorites. All right. So my number one, um, this was the movie that uh, I saw upon release and like Rose and I went in. Um, I had heard that it was good, but I didn't, I wasn't really prepared for like how much I was going to like this. And it's the night house um, directed by David Bruckner. Um, he did Ritual and some segments of Southbound VHS, uh, starring Rebecca Hall and Sarah Goldberg. Um, this movie was like like a punch to the mouth and the stomach, man. Like, I, it's a movie about grief. It's a movie about like uh, dealing with that grief. Um, it opens up um, if you have a trigger about like uh, like suicide or something like that. Like, this might not be the movie because it opens up with like her husband um, committing suicide and she's like dealing with that and um, going through all the stuff that one goes through when they lose a partner. And meanwhile, she's uncovering more and more about her partner. So it's like, um, it's one of those things where you don't know about somebody until like you start going through a lot of their secrets and stuff. And as she gradually starts putting this together, um, it kind of builds and builds and builds and builds and gets crazier and crazier um, until she finds like the reverse house or whatever they call it. And uh, it's been a while since I've actually seen this. I need to rewatch it. And uh, she finds the reverse house and like all this creepy shit and these women in the photographs. And like, then she uh, finds out about like this presence, which is called, uh, which is, is termed nothing. And uh, <laughs> it shows you, it's just a bash. It's one of those movies that like, you're with it, you're with it. It's a thriller kind of thing. And then it just gets straight up Clive Barker horror. 
and um, it ends with spoiler alert. It ends with nothing in the boat with her trying to convince her to kill herself to join her husband because it's making itself look like her husband. And it's just like, I, I'm like looking around the theater, like while we're watching this and I'm like, this is the most fucked up movie I've ever seen. Like, <laughs> like, uh, dude, it is just like such a power punch of a movie, man. And like, so fucking creepy. Like what it says about grief and like, it's just, you feel like terrible after watching this movie. And um, that's what some of the best horror movies uh, like brings to the table, man. But I fucking love the night house. If anybody has never seen, if anybody didn't catch this movie this year, this is like my, my one must see of the year. Um, I fucking love this movie, man. Yeah, it was, it was fantastic. And, and I think what really worked is um, for me, like on my list is all of these were original, like, concepts i mean fear street maybe not as much but the night house is is an original story and we've never been given that type of villain before yeah and when as soon as you told me oh you're gonna love this and i went to see it and i remember texting you what i texted but i texted you oh my god it's the void and mm-hmm. like i love lovecraft and i love barker and the fact that they gave you something out of nothing and it's just so cool. And that's like one of the most crazy concepts out there. Uh, I, I was not expecting this at all, but uh, I'm glad that you enjoyed it as much as you did. And it was really hard for me not to put this at number one, to be honest. But yeah, uh, I, it's I, like just going to be a haunting movie. Like I'm, I'm like, oh, OK, there's creepy scenes setting it up and stuff. But then when it yeah. goes the direction that it goes, you're like, oh, my God, like it is so much better than I thought it was going to be, you know? It really is. Yeah. And uh, I've seen it twice now and it is very rewatchable. It's very, very, very cool once you know everything. And it just you look for things in it that you didn't see before. And it's that's what I like about a, a movie like this is even though, you know, the twist, you can still find enjoyment about what you missed to get to that twist or whatever. And uh, there's the clues there and you might have missed before. But yeah, great, great pick for number one. Um, so my number one is probably no surprise. It is Malignant. Um, I've watched this movie like five times now, four or five times. <laughs> uh, I just picked it up. I was so excited to pick it up because it's been hard to find actually physically out because it's a lot of the shortages or whatever, but I uh, recently picked it up and uh, you know, you talked about it earlier being fun and I agree with you. Like to me, that's what I felt is it being like a punk rock movie where James Wan was like, I'm not going to write, I'm, I'm going to do sort of a big studio movie, but it's also going to be an indie movie. It's also not going to be what you think it's going to be. And I'm going to throw in all of these nods and homages that horror fans are going to know and i'm going to make it awkward i'm going to make the dialogue cheesy i'm also going to give you you know these big practical effects and i will say there was a scene in this movie there's a segment in this movie that i thought had a lot of cgi and it doesn't and james wan does that with me quite a bit like he does things that I think is that CGI. And then I've watched the making of, and I'm like, Oh shit, that was actually practical. But there's a scene where Gabriel is fighting the police officers in the police precinct. And there were some scenes that looked kind of like, is that 
person like is that cgi but they broke down um the actress and there were a couple other actors that played gabriel in that scene and they show you the choreography in the special extras for the blu-ray and uh it was really cool to see how he choreographed that action scene and there are scenes that show uh gabriel like how the contortionist um worked you know in the movie yeah and this contortionist was on a she appeared on a reality show and that's how james wan found her is uh is through uh i forget the the competition but it was one of those like you know do show us what you can do and we're going to judge you and then you can enter the show i forget what it's called but um Basically, that's how he found the contortionist to use for Gabriel in this movie. And there's just so many elements behind the scenes that are cool that just add uh, that uh, solid case for why, to me, it, it worked so well. But overall, like, it's just a really fun, kick-ass movie. I went in watching this uh, with uh, Gabe, my husband, and we, when it starts and we're... I'm cracking up because I'm like, I already know the tone. Like I know what this is. This is like Giallo dialogue. And I had to tell him, I, had, I looked over and I said, I know you're laughing, but this is actually what it's supposed to be. Cause he asked me, he's like, is it supposed to be this awkward? And from that point on, he was on board and we just had the, the, the best time in the theater watching this movie. And, you know, the scene with, with the, the artist depiction of Gabriel <laughs> and yeah. the the cops and like I just love the female cop and like her reactions are like spot on. But there's just so many little moments in it that in any other director's hand could have been like, you know, stupid or just didn't work. But you can really tell. And I think this really made me more of a James Wan fan. Like I, I kind of liked him already, but I think this is still my top from him. Like this is what I've been missing out of my life from modern horror movies. And it's that throwback, but done new and done in an interesting way. And very few movies I've walked out of where I'm like, I didn't guess what was going to happen. And I was ultimately like shocked at like what I was seeing. And so I, I, I dug it. Um, and uh, if you were a friend with me on social media, you'll know how much I like it because I'm always talking about it. So, oh yeah, uh, it's it's definitely a favorite of mine, and it's one that I really enjoy for this year, and it's my number one. Um, honorable mentions. I'll throw out uh, a few because I did have some a hard time not putting these on my list. Uh, one of them was Candyman. Yeah, that was on mine too. Candyman ultimately was good for me. I enjoyed it. There were some things that kept it off my list. One being, I felt it was a little too short. Mm -hmm. uh, I think it needed a little more development. The climax didn't work as much for me as I thought it would. I did rewatch the movie. I did pick it up uh, for my birthday, but ultimately it was good. And I think it's like number six, maybe, maybe number seven. Um, so yeah, so that was one. Um, another one is there's someone inside your house. I thought this was a really fun throwback 90s slasher. Um, when this trailer dropped, I was like, I have to read the book before I watch it because I want to know what to expect. And I read the book. The book was awesome. I watched the movie and it was okay. I like it. I dug it. Uh, there was a really cool scene in the church that I think 
had that energy carried over to the rest of the movie, it would have been pretty solid for me. Um, Resident Evil, Welcome to Raccoon City. Uh, another honorable mention. I think the movie was fun. And uh, I like a creature feature throwback kind of vibe. And uh, I think Johannes, uh, the director, Johannes is Robert, I think is his name. Uh, yeah, I believe he, so. He, he did a cool uh, atmospheric horror vibe. And I dug it, I, even though it's, you know, it's got some issues. Uh, I think it, I think it was really cool for me. And I, I, I dug it a lot. And lastly, uh, one, I don't know if you've checked this one out yet, uh, Trav or not. Um, I got this through a review and I actually surprisingly was kind of shocked at how much I enjoyed it. Uh, another slasher movie called Initiation. And this movie was supposed to come out in 2020 and got delayed and it ended up being released May 7th of 2021. Uh, but it's one of those university pledge week kind of slashers. And uh, I think out of more recent slasher movies, when they use the social media aspect into the plot, it hasn't been as successful, but I think they do a good job with this movie. And uh, it was really cool and it was really brutal and gory. Uh, really cool masked slasher. Did you check this one out? I have not. No, that's one that I have not seen. Yeah, it was cool. So uh, I have the physical release of it. And uh, I, if I didn't get the screener, I would have ended up buying it. But you can you can find it pretty pretty cheap um, out. And uh, yeah, I, I ultimately would recommend checking that one out. It was a low-key effort that ultimately almost made my list. Uh, is there any honorable mentions that you have on yours? So, yeah, I had a uh, Nia DaCosta's Candyman on mine as well. Uh, there was something lacking from that. Um, it would probably sneak into my top 10. Um, but, yeah, I, it, needed, um, it needed the presence of the Candyman to me. Yeah. I think <laughs> that's what Todd. was missing. Um, the Vigil, um, it's, it's kind of like a uh, directed by Keith Thomas. This is one that I've caught recently. And I think it's actually pretty damn good. Um, yeah. It's, it's basically like a Jewish kind of exorcist kind of thing. Um, it didn't quite crack the top five, but a, a solid, solid movie that I really enjoyed. Um, that's Resident on Evil right was now, on mine. Um, Resident Evil, I enjoyed that they went back to the horror elements of the, you know, of the video game series and stuff. Um, and I think, oh, and Quiet Place Part Two. I keep, I always forget that that came out this year. Um, but I, I actually thought that that was a really strong sequel. I think I talked about it on our sequel, uh, episode, but yeah, I actually think that's a really, really strong sequel. And it has one of my favorite sequences in any movie this year. Um, and it's when like the aliens like land when they first come down, which is uh, bonkers and awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I, I really, uh, I dug that one too. I forgot that, that that came out this year too. It's been such a long, it was such a long year of 2021. Uh, that one would probably be on my uh, honorable mention list too. And for me, I already talked about one of my most disappointing, which was Halloween kills. Uh, I still enjoy it and we'll end up picking it up eventually. Uh, maybe in the $2 bin at big lots. Uh, but <laughs> I'm just playing. <laughs> uh, another one that was disappointing to me that really had me hyped up and I was just let down completely was last night in Soho. I just could not vibe with it. And mm -hmm. uh, I, I want to like it, but I, I just couldn't get into it. Um, did you get to check that one out? 
I that is one that I haven't caught either. Um, I do have another honorable mention, uh, like oh a, sorry, or not an honorable mention, but a disappointment. And okay. um, I did enjoy elements of this movie, but I thought that it was ultimately a letdown, and that's Spiral, the new Saw. Oh, okay, Cause, yeah. Because I had really, really high hopes for that, and I did enjoy it, but I I felt like like some about Chris Rock as the lead. I'm like, nah, like you know what. Like, um, like get another person to get a more established actor to carry that movie, in my opinion. I don't know. A little bit of a disappointment. Yeah, I didn't mind that one. I picked that up for the Black Friday sale at Best Buy. It was like five bucks. I was like, okay, well, I mean, I have the other Saw movies. Yeah. And that's not movies I think that me and you really gravitate to typically. Yeah. Uh, I did like that it was more slashery with the the killer wearing the mask more like the pig head like i thought that those elements were cool but i agree it, it was a little like kind of like uh, okay you know like it didn't really do much for me either way mm-hmm. but uh yeah I, I would i could see where that would be like a disappointment um yeah i mean i surprisingly there even though like halloween kills was on my disappointing list it was still enjoyable and uh mm-hmm. you know i i don't think i've talked about a movie as much as I have with Halloween kills for oh, the yeah. year of 2021. Uh, so that'd probably be that would probably get the award for talking the most about a movie. Uh, there was so much fandom out and about for that movie. And uh, it was cool to see a, a slasher movie being as big as it was during a pandemic year and just still killing it at the box office ultimately. Oh yeah. Uh, and I'm, and to go back to Malignant, because I will, uh, <laughs> I'm excited to see if they're going to do a sequel. I've been seeing Annabella Wallace in some interviews saying that James Wan is wanting to do a sequel. I don't know if it needs a sequel, but I would be down. I'm down for more Gabriel. Give us a Gabriel action figure, NECA. We're, we're, still, we're still hounding you for that. Gabriel uh, needs to join the MCU. <laughs> Uh, all right, so we're going to put Gabriel to rest. And I do have a shout out. Um, one of my good friends, Scott Tolley from Indianapolis, he is a werewolf and he is a drummer. And he, I've known him for a while. I met him through Bees Po' Boy when we uh, opened that uh, shop up back in the day. And uh, he... Uh, shared with me the Stealing Volume self-titled debut Stealing Volume album uh, compromised of Ben Schimmel, uh, guitar lead uh, David Barajas, guitar vocals Scott Tolley, of course, drums, background vocals Scott Lamb, bass, background vocals Uh, they formed in in about 2008 and they're a punk rock group uh, from Indianapolis and their album came out, I think in July of 2021 and uh it's one of the more horror adjacent uh, things that I wanted to give them a shout out for because their album uh, was fun. Uh, it, it rocks. I've been listening to it since I, I got it. It's got a really cool album cover throwback uh, with the green uh, skull lady on the cover, really fun uh, album. Um, one of the, some of the, the standouts howl, which is a really cool uh uh, cut um, insects on X, uh, Death Ray Girl and Viper Train are, are the ones that keep uh, keep on my playlist. 
but really fun album. Check them out. I got them on uh, Apple, uh, iTunes. Uh, you can check them out wherever you get your music. Uh, they're stealing volume. And uh, I look forward to having Scott on the show at some point. He is a werewolf fanatic. And I thought I would just give a shout out to them because that was one of the uh, things that stood out to me in 2021. I'm not a big new music fan, but that was one that I wanted to highlight. Bob, did you have any other 2021 things that you wanted to highlight that weren't, I guess, movie or related or anything like that? Not really. Uh, what was the name of the band again? Uh, Stealing Volume. All right. So everybody can go check them out. Uh, always, uh, always good to uh, represent indie. Yeah, yeah, they're pretty good. Scotty's a crazy, crazy fella. He is an avid drummer. He uh, used to drum for the Liquors, which was an awesome punk band. If you're uh, a fan of uh, Melody uh, in Indianapolis, the punk rock nights there were pretty crazy with the Liquors. Uh, they are no longer a band anymore, I don't think. Uh, but also, he was a drummer for the Dockers, and now he's with Stealing Volume. And uh, yeah, pretty cool. Uh, check them out and uh, give that local love, that local punk love to them. And uh, I think that's it for this episode. It was a fun, jam-packed episode as always. Uh, I always enjoy doing these episodes with you, Bub. Bub, what, where can we find you at uh, on your podcast? So you can find me on Horrifying My Friends, on all the podcast platforms. And uh, we actually do a music podcast uh, called Guillotine Press on all your favorite podcast platform so find me there and i'm pretty active on facebook nice well as always you can find me at fatal follower presents at gmail send me your tasteful werewolf nudies send me show ideas send me curses from band camp from the 60s shrunken hands shrunken hands uh broken ouija board planchets whatever you feel like you need to send me pictures of uh, you can always reach me at Fatal Follower Presents a Podcast on Facebook, Twitter, uh, the rabid site of my horror amino crew out there. Thank you for all the support you give me. And uh, yeah, that's it. Uh, stay safe. Stay spooky. Get ready for the 2022 uh, horror of it all. And uh, I can't wait for Scream 5. Uh, I'm so excited for that this week. I'm probably going to request off work for that day. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Stay spooky. Bye-bye. Bye. Okay. Wasn't that spectacular? The Brothers Grimm listing Ginger Dead Man 6 as their num- both of their number one film of 2021. Now, The Creature, The Horror Host... The horror librarian, if you will. Well, wants to talk about the five books that I loved this year. Now, this year was a little bit different. You know, I didn't get to read as much as I did in 2020. Uh, It was a lot more work and stuff. But I did read some fantastic stuff from a few familiar names. And we got some stuff from some new names that I have a feeling will impact horror for a long time. First of all, I will begin with my number five, all the way down to my number one. Uh, It's not necessarily ranked besides my number one. My number one is out and away my favorite thing this year. Um, But other than that, it's not really ranked. And then I'll list a few honorable mentions towards the end. If you're listening to this, if you were listening to this before and... Uh, you think that you heard a similar show on Fatal Follower Presents, that's because you did. 
Uh, it's uh, me and Donnie Ibarra, my brother. We are loving siblings of horror, and we did it for both shows, but with unique twists kind of on each version. So on this one, um, I wanted to kind of uh, uh, cap it off with my favorite reads of the year because um, listeners will know that I enjoy I, I enjoy reading horror probably just as much as uh, watching it. Uh, there's just something about you know ending each night um, in another in another world, you know, in another uh, horror scope. Uh, this, this author takes you on a ride and there's just nothing like it, man, than cracking open a horror novel and just going with it. Um, so I will start with my number five. My number five is a familiar name and, uh, it's one that honestly, I did not, uh, hear a lot about until it dropped. And, um, because I follow him on Twitter and that's Brian Keene. Brian Keene is one of my absolute favorite writers. Uh, Earthworm Gods, The Rising, um, uh, Dark Hollow is one of my absolute favorites. He's just written uh, The Complex, the recent Complex. Just an amazing, uh, like, pulpy kind of writer. Like, if you like a lot of, like, uh, like pulpy kind of horror movies, like, you know, a lot of the 70s and 80s style, then I think you'll dig his stuff quite a bit. Um, but my number five is With Teeth by Brian Keene. Now, this was put out by Death Heads Press. Um, all the indie publishers, or all the in, indie, um, uh, yeah, publishers. I, I don't know what I thought the other word for Fort were. Uh, all the indie ones, I'll give them some love when I uh, choose one of their books. So, With Teeth, the synopsis. And um, just right off Front Street, I will not spoil any of these. Um, because I love listening to these lists myself to pick up some titles that... I may not have heard of or that I need to pick up. And, um, yeah, so I'm not going to spoil them. I'm just going to give like a kind of a general, um, idea of what the book is kind of about and what you should expect. Um, so with teeth for a group of middle-aged friends, the trip into the forest was supposed to be simple. All they had to do was find a place to set up their criminal enterprise and all their financial problems would be solved. If it was ever that easy, by the way, but now night is falling, and with the darkness comes something else, something fast, something ferocious, something with teeth. From best-selling award-winning horror writer Brian Keene comes a vicious new novella with teeth. So I have another novella on my list, and I'll talk about that later, but this year was also kind of the year when um, I discovered my absolute joy and love of reading horror novellas and in my opinion it's the best form for horror um i've heard a few horror authors actually say that so i did not make that up uh believe me <laughs> but it's just like that short little punch that horror is able to give uh as opposed to you know like a uh you know a 600 700 page novel which i enjoy those too but there's just something about the horror novella novellas where that you can uh, pick it up and finish it, you know, and it doesn't take you very long. So, With Teeth is a vampire book that I would actually recommend to people, and one that, like, it, I'll be honest, if Brian Keene's name wasn't on it, I probably wouldn't even have picked it up because I'm so tired of vampires. But when they're done right, it's really, really cool, man. And this one actually reminded me, like, a lot of um, 
it had some like Salem's Lot vibes. It had some like bringing brutality back to vampires because it's set in West Virginia. So you're um, kind of introduced to these guys and they're going out into the woods and uh, these rabid kind of uh, savage uh, looking vampires. It, it kind of reminded me also like the vampires kind of reminded me of The Descent. Like if anybody's ever seen that horror movie. And they haven't fed for like so long that they these guys just cross paths with these with these creatures, and these creatures just fucking go ham. And it's a good time. Um, it's one of one one thing that Brian Keane's been doing is like keeping his works like a little bit shorter. And I, like I said, I hundred percent dig that. The novella is where it's at. Um, but yeah, this was a great story. Of course, Brian Keane like always throws like themes of like. You know, um, like it, it, there's always like uh, like family themes, familial themes. I mean, and like it's very like Stephen King kind of stuff. Um, if you've read uh, Stephen King's Ghoul, you'll know. You know, um, as as much as that book is horrifying, it's also like a tearjerker and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, my number five, With Teeth, by Brian King. So, my number four, a guy who has absolutely been on fire. Stephen Graham Jones with My Heart is a Chainsaw. So this was my uh, number four read of the year. He has a, a few honorable mentions with The Night of the Mannequins. And um, ugh, I feel like I'm forgetting something. Maybe I'm not uh, with just Night of the Mannequins. But he just wrote uh, The Only Good Indians last year. So that, and that was fucking amazing. But yeah, My Heart is a Chainsaw by Stephen Graham Jones. Um, this was probably one of my favorite characters of everything that I've read this year. So, My Heart is a Chainsaw Synopsis. Jade Daniels is an angry half-Indian outcast with an abusive father, an absent mother, and an entire town that wants nothing to do with her. See, she lives in her own world, a world in which protection comes from the unusual source, horror movies, especially the ones where a masked killer seeks revenge on a world that wronged them. And Jade narrates the quirky history of Proof Rock as, it, as if it, it, is, it is one of those movies. Sorry, I can't read. But when blood actually starts to spill into the waters of Indian Lake, she pulls us into her dizzying encyclopedic mind of blood and masked murders and predicts exactly how the plot will unfold. Yet even as Jade drags us into her dark fever dream, a surprising and intimate portrait emerges. A portrait of the scared and traumatized little girl beneath the Jason Voorhees mask. Angry, yes, but also a girl who easily cries, fiercely loves, and desperately wants a home. A girl whose feelings are too big for her body. My Heart is a Chainsaw is her story, her homage to horror and revenge and triumph. So if you like slasher movies, you uh, you will want to uh, absolutely put this book on your list. Um, uh, if you dig slasher movies, this is an absolute must read. Um, I loved the main character immediately when it started. She's wearing like a Misfits t-shirt and like um, some chucks and it's like, oh my god. She's dressed just like me. She likes my bands and shit. She's an outcast. This will, um, he just has that way of like pulling. Stephen Graham Jones is one of the best writers, 
like working in in fiction right now not just horror but in fiction and he has that way of kind of pulling you in um and i immediately identified with the main character of using horror movies to like uh create my own world of like you know happiness like not being happy with the the real world so kind of surrounding yourself with stuff that you love and um meanwhile there's a killer picking people off so it's like just perfect for the time when we have uh, Scream 5 coming in the next week or so. Uh, Stephen Graham Jones is a master of horror. Um, he can do no wrong right now. And um, that is my number four read of the year. I absolutely loved it. Go pick up this and Night of the Mannequins um, immediately. So now it's time for my number three. Another heavy, heavy hitter. Uh, this guy is on an absolute roll, much like Stephen Graham Jones. Um, I said it uh, during my Looking Ahead episode. I think I I also said it on the 2021 Looking Back. But it's a great time to be a horror fan, whether you like movies, books, whatever. Um, and my number three is one of those big, big names in horror right now, and that's Josh Mallerman. Uh, this is Goblin by Josh Mallerman, a novel and six novellas. So just to give you guys kind of a brief synopsis, and I was immediately like, I immediately fell in love with this uh, kind of storytelling. So Goblin seems, so synopsis, Goblin seems like any other ordinary small town, but with master storyteller storyteller Josh Mallerman as your tour guide you discover the secrets that hide behind its closed doors these six novellas tell the story of a place where the rain is always falling nighttime is always near and your darkest fears and desires await welcome to Goblin a man in slices uh, this is like kind of like the titles of all the novellas a man in slices. A man proves his legendary love to his girlfriend with a sacrifice even more daring than Vincent Van Gogh's and sends her more than his heart. Camp. Walter Camp is afraid of everything, but most afraid of being scared to death. As he sets traps around his home to catch the ghosts that haunt him, he learns that nothing is more terrifying than fear itself. Happy Birthday Hunter. A famed big game hunter is determined to capture and kill the ultimate prey, the mythic great owl who lives in Goblin's dark forest. But this mysterious creature is not the only secret in the woods are keeping. Presto. All Peter wants is to be like his hero, Roman Emperor, the greatest magician in the world. When the famous magician comes to Goblin, Peter discovers that not all magic is simply an illusion. A mix-up at the zoo. The new zookeeper feels a mysterious kinship with the animals in, this, in his care and finds that his work is freeing dark forces inside him. And finally, the hedges. When his wife dies, a man builds a hedge maze to, so elaborate that no one ever solves it until a little girl resolves to be the first to find the mysteries that wait at its heart. So that is... A, a a long synopsis of Goblin, but I wanted you guys to get a taste of kind of um, what this novel is about. And I thought it was so unique that like it's uh, it's a bunch of novellas 
like kind of coming together and making a novel about this place called Goblin. Um, it's kind of reminiscent of uh, Ray Bradbury's Something Wicked This Way Comes. Um, I can't remember the town of... Ugh, I'm, I'm blanking on the name. Uh, I'll think about it as soon as it, it was like the Orchard uh, Fox Run, I think is what it was. I can't remember the name of the author. Um, Stephen King's Dairy, you know, all these towns and horror fiction and, uh, Goblin is definitely, oh, <laughs> I totally told name, uh, Grant. And that was Fox. Uh, I think it's Fox run was, uh, was Charles L. Grant, but yeah, Dairy, Fox run, uh, station, all these, uh, fantastic banger, Maine, all these fantastic, uh, horror towns that uh, have been created through horror fiction and uh, add Goblin to that list. And I absolutely love stories like this that all take place in the same town and you're following these different characters. This is ripe for a television show. And uh, Josh Mallerman has already had great success with Bird Box and um, The Long Black Will, I think was the second one. Um, he released another one that would be actually in my honorable mentions called Pearl this year. And I think both of these books were uh, published like a, a few years ago, but only in limited press. So 2021 was like their official release date. So yeah, Josh Mallerman with Goblin, uh, honorable mention Pearl. So I guess I'm doing like the honorable mentions as I go, but that's all right. We're rolling with the punches here. So definitely pick up Goblin if that sounds like a... If that sounds like your bag, uh, dark towns, spooky towns, what is not to love about that? Okay. So my number two, another novella, uh, a newcomer to the horror genre, at least as far as I'm concerned, this is, um, this is the first book that I've ever read by this author. And that's uh, Eric LaRocca's Things Have Gotten Worse Since We Last Spoke. So there was a definite buzz about this novella uh, online on uh, horror Twitter and stuff. Um, people talking about how it was brutal. And, you know, um, there's a quote by, from Josh Mallerman, you know, on the back. It says, a startling affair. I'll be cleaning up particles of darkness in my office for weeks. So the synopsis. Sadomasochism. Obsession. <laughs> obsession obsession death a whirlpool of darkness turns at the heart of a macabre ballet between two lonely lonely young women in an internet chat room in the early 2000s a darkness that threatens to forever transform them once they finally succumb to their most most horrific desires what have you done today to deserve your eyes so this is a uh, definitely uh not for the faint of heart it's um twisted in all the best ways uh it's dangerous horror it, it reminded me of like some of the first times that i read like in the hills of cities and you know a lot of the a lot of the books of blood like clyde barker um eric LaRocca is definitely a name that uh is going to be on everyone's list going forward of like everything that he writes is going to be a must buy. 
Um, he has another collection out, The Strange Thing We Become and Other Dark Tales. I haven't been able to get a copy of that. I believe it's out of print because I think they're going to re-release both of these. Because like I said, this thing got a cult following or a not even maybe not even a cult following because I picked mine up at Barnes & Noble. So I think, uh, I think it just caught on and it became huge. So, um, yeah, pick up a copy from your local bookseller though, if you, uh, get a chance. Uh, things have gotten worse since we last spoke by Eric LaRocca. It is absolutely killer. And it's my, my number two. So my number one, uh, of the year, um, this was one that I did not think that I was going to enjoy at all. And, um, like I said, I ended up loving it. It's my number one of the year. Uh, and that's Chasing the Boogeyman by Richard Chismar. So this came out in October. Um, like I said, I picked it up because I'm in the mood, you know, for Michael Myers and stuff like that. And uh, wasn't really expecting much, but I just got this. It, it is so engrossing and it is such a unique, unique take on like how to do a novel and stuff. Um, and it combines two loves of mine that um, I, I just couldn't stop reading this, man. Um, and like I said, this was one that um, I'm a reader at night. So this was one that like I would close and then it would be like spooking me the fuck out when I'm when I'm just laying there in the dark. But uh, it's a it's kind of uh, written like it's a true crime story, like it's a true crime, uh, like a true crime account of this killer that went through this small town like growing up. By, um, so Richard Chismar actually includes like real facts and stuff about his hometown and like uh, growing up, I think it's like a, a Maryland town, but I'll give you guys the, the synopsis. Um, in the summer of 1988, the mutilated bodies of several missing girls begin to turn up in a small Maryland town. The grisly evidence leads police to a terrifying assumption that a serial killer is on the loose in the quiet suburb. And soon, a rumor begins to spread that the evil stalking local teens is not entirely human. But the law enforcement and members of the FBI are certain the killer is a living, breathing madman and that he's playing games with them. For a once peaceful community trapped in the depths of paranoia and, and suspicion, it feels like a nightmare that will never end. Recent college graduate Richard Chesmar returns to his hometown just as a curfew is enacted and a neighborhood watch group is formed. In the midst of preparing for his wedding and embarking on a writing career, he soon finds himself thrust into a real-life horror story. So, the, yeah, I'll stop there. Um, like I said, there, it's some kind of... Um, kind of there, there's, It's written like a true crime story, and it's fucking amazing. And it's some of the most chilling stuff. Uh, I, I still have like images in my head from like some of the, you know, um, like crime scenes and stuff like that. Or like uh, just some of the creepy touches that uh, Richard Chismar adds in this book, man. Uh, if you don't, if you recognize the name Richard Chismar, it's because uh, I believe he runs Cemetery Dance. So Cemetery Dance publishes a lot of books and. You know, he's, a, he's friends with Stephen King and stuff, but um, he knocked it out of the park with Chasing the Boogeyman, man. And that is my, uh, the Boogeyman, man. He knocked it out of the park with Chasing the Boogeyman. That's all I got to say. Uh, so, and that is my number one read of the year. Now, I didn't read everything. You know, I'm sure uh, somebody will be like, well, you didn't include uh, Whisper Down the Lane, man. Um, that is one that I... Uh, Loved as well, 
didn't quite make my top five. Uh, it's a similar kind of true crime kind of take uh, inspired by the McMartin preschool trials, and it's got a lot of satanic panic. Um, didn't quite make my top five, but it would be, and by audible mention, uh, written by Clay McLeod Chapman. And um, a few other honorable mentions, um, now that I've gotten through my, my five, I, I know I mentioned a few of these. Uh, I wanted to mention a few comics. Um, I already said Whisper Down the Lane. Uh, two other ones that I'll throw out there, or three other ones actually, is uh, Nothing But Blackened Teeth, another novella by Cassandra Call. Uh, this is one of the first hardcovers that was released by Tor Nightfire. I think it's a new line of horror. Um, really killer, really quick, uh, gut punch, like, kind of like the haunting of Hill House, um, in a way for like a new generation. Um, but very good. Um, I'm interested to see what else Tor Nightfire puts out. Like I said, I'm, I'm falling in love with these short little reads, these short little, uh, cause they pack a punch and they're, you know, you don't have to, uh, really invest the time that it takes to read, you know, like a 700 page novel. Um, one that I didn't get to that I really, really want to read is The Book of Accidents by Chuck Wendig. I heard that that one is fucking amazing. Uh, two comics that I will add, and I just said that because I saw it over there in my shelf. Two comics that I will add to the honorable mentions is uh, Red Room by Ed Pisker. Uh, I believe is how you say his name. Brutal, brutal comic uh, it's from Fantagraphics the same uh, company that put out like Black Hole and you know a lot of the indie stuff um, don't check it out though unless you're like cool with like the like it's kind of like Videodrome-esque so there's a lot of like sadomasochism and like bondage and you know like serial killings and stuff Red Room is basically like a online murder room so that's what the comic is about and it's brutal uh, I loved it though and uh, the second one is The Autumnal. And I, I will never be able to say that name. Autumnal. The Autumnal. Um, and that's by Daniel Krause. Uh, a killer, chilling no a, a chilling graphic novel. So this is the synopsis. Following the death of her estranged mother, Kat Somerville, and her daughter, Sybil, flee a difficult life in Chicago for the quaint and possibly pernicious town of Comfort Notch, New Hampshire, a hometown she can barely remember. As she and her daughter try to settle into a new life, Kat discovers that sometimes home is best forgotten. Like I said, a little bit different ending on the uh, on the top five movies of 2021. I wanted to throw in some some excellent reads that I checked out this year. Um, I hope you guys are digging horrifying my friends. Always feel free to hit me up. Uh, leave me a note. You can find me on Instagram and Facebook at Horrifying My Friends um, or at Travis Ubarra and on Twitter at Horrifying MF or at Capped Creature. Uh, tell me what you read this year, uh, what books you're looking forward to next year, uh, what movies you loved. Um, yeah, I uh, love talking with other horror fiends like myself. But I hope you guys enjoyed this. Uh, some 2021 love. We got a bunch of cool horror this year and some new voices that will only make horror greater as we go on um but yeah be safe take care and horrify